Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and on this occasion I am joined by Mr Craig Anderson. Hello Craig. Hi Craig, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah I'm caught. not too bad. Not too bad yourself? Yeah, good. Just uh, looking forward to commenting on, on a league above for the first time in my life. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I had a, had a wonderful day out down at, down at Palmerston on Saturday, so it's not all bad. Uh, as as wonderful an evening as you had watching Wraith, uh, sorry, beating, uh, sorry, oh Christ, uh, watching Kelly beat Air. Yeah, but like, both both good. I think the 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 Air game was a bit of a um, we controlled that completely, and you know when you score and then you kind of think it's a win, and obviously it's a bigger one. But it was the last minute goal on on Saturday probably made that better because it didn't really seem like it was coming, and then you get the you know the excitement of that, and that's been. Something that we've missed for a long time, obviously, is being able to celebrate goals like that. So, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that that uh, that celebration and was kind of loving off it all the way home. So that was that was good. Fair enough. I'm I'm still, uh, of course, riding riding the high of seeing my team win two top flight games back to back, which has got to be for the first time. I've not looked in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the first time this century. <laughs> it's got to be close. <laughs> in fact, no, it will definitely be the first time this century because what was it? I'm trying to, the years all just blend it. What year are we in now? <laughs> 2021. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't it, I don't think it's the first time this century, Craig. Uh, top flight it will be. No, no. You've, you won the first six games or something. Uh, no, but, uh, oh, sorry, I'm thinking this decade. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I was, that's what I was getting at. I was like, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not this century. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, this yeah, decade. No, yeah. All right, century and millennium are the same thing. So yeah, we've definitely won <laughs> One point uh, one ten of eleven. So that was that was fun, uh, and uh, yeah, we also had that that run in oh uh, five oh six. Uh, but yeah, certainly this decade, it, it will definitely be the, the the longest run 
I'd, without looking, I'd imagine it goes right back to the start of the 2018-19 campaign, but I've not I've not looked into that. But that would be my guess. Uh, the last time Hearts won two consecutive top flight games. Oh, anyway, anyway, right, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, Hearts winning in Paisley and uh, the rest of the top flight games this past weekend after this. The return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer while you watch your team from the comfort of your own home. Or if you just want a few to get you in the mood before you head down to the local ground as we're now allowed back at the stadiums again. Yes. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and created from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash terrace and just cover the $5.95 for postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to each and every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, all over the US and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with an award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry though, if you change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash terrace to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's beer52.com forward slash terrace. Okay, let's begin with, let's do a sports sound impression. Let's begin with Rangers, because it, it feels apt. This time they've, they've lost their their 40-game unbeaten league run. Um, it's, quite, <laughs> it's actually quite rubbish that you go, you go an entire league season undefeated and your, your, your end tally mark is 40. <laughs> two, two more than how long a season finishes, but that, that sums up uh, their, their kind of form towards the end of the, the season that was then halted by the pandemic. And they've not started this campaign well either. Defeat by Malmo, followed up by defeat by United. They've got Malmo again tomorrow evening. They, they just need to win. Well, they just need to win by a goal to, to force it in extra time. Need to win by by two on the night to, to win the tie, unless it goes to penalties. Not in, a, not in an ideal position. Something that I think a lot of us still would fancy them to get out of. But they're going to have to play a lot bloody better than they did on Saturday, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's when when you've got a big unbeaten run like that, you you don't really want to lose it in a in a whimper the way they did really. Um, you know, you think of Arsenal's kind of famous one. At least it was you know that that game at Old Trafford, and it was drama and it was excitement and stuff like that. Whereas Rangers lost their uh, theirs in a kind of just a, just a, a piss poor performance against a Dundee United team who are not really being tipped for very much. But to be fair, played played very well in this game. Um, I do think it. <laughs> Saying it's coming was maybe a bit of a stretch, but I do think since probably December, January time, Rangers have not really been at their best. I think it's obviously hard. They just had absolutely no pressure in the second half of last season. And that's when it's interesting because a lot of their fans, you know, I saw, I can't remember who it was, said oh, Celtic had um, hadn't been such a, a basket case. They would have pushed Rangers for the title and the Rangers fans were kind of pointing at their points tally and saying, well, look, we were unbeaten. It, it wouldn't have mattered what Celtic did, but they didn't go under any pressure there was no pressure applied to them at any point last season and therefore it's one of those things if Celtic had been a bit better would they have lost a lot sooner because their their form dropped off but nobody really gave them a game whereas Dundee United finally I think turned up there was a lot of energy to their performance and I think that's the way you beat them it's not quality it's just 
energy just running about and just uh, you know getting in their faces as well, which is what they did. But they did it with a with a, a fair bit of quality as well when it was needed. Yes, and I think the kind of key instigator and, and getting in their faces, Joando Fuchs was was somebody who had a outstanding match at doing that in the in both centre of the park, but also kind of getting forward, breaking breaking forward from there to put pressure on the Rangers defenders. There was a number of times where United forced Rangers into kind of knocking the ball out of the park or or having to rush it long because United were were so up and on top of them. And full credit to United for doing that. They also defended pretty well throughout the game. Charlie McGrew, I think, had a, a great game in defence, not only his, his distribution, as you've come to expect from him, but just in the East. He had two very key block shots within the first, I think, 10, 15 minutes of the game that... Uh, I mean, if he's not there, if Rangers take an early lead, then chances are that it becomes quite a comfortable game for them. But the, the longer the match goes on at 0-0, the more that you start to believe in yourself, uh, as we saw happened. And you also get the fact that Rangers start to panic a little bit, start to struggle for ideas. But they kind of struggle for ideas, without, with the exception of the opening 10 minutes, where you kind of looked like it was going to be maybe a more of a kind of routine Rangers performance. Um, I mean, United were, to be fair... United were still kind of given uh, given a hell of a lot at the other end. Uh, there's still a lot of running, a, a lot of kind of impressive energy coming from the hosts. But the Rangers were still carving kind of opportunities up, and you thought they'll get one soon, they'll, they'll score, and this will be a, you know another notch for Stephen Gerrard's side. But not long after that, United kind of tightened things up a little bit in the in the back four, uh, and that's that's something we should probably note as well. The the fact that they moved away from the the three at the back that they've pretty much in fact. Sure, they've used it exclusively in the in the league and the Premier Sports Cup games they've played so far. Uh, I think that probably helped matters as well. Also helped them get the kind of guys supporting Clark able to kind of put the pressure on the on the Rangers defence and the and the three in midfield who were all I thought all played very well as well. I mean, I mentioned Fuchs. I thought Hearts Hearts also had a really good game. Butcher done his job, and yeah, credit full credit to United for this one. I don't know, I still don't know how much it tells us about their season. I know it's a weird thing to say. But with Shanklin sitting out, and you have to wonder, there's been a lot of rumours this week of him leaving. If Shanklin is going, you are really seeing a lack of quality up top. Uh, they can certainly, they've showed there that even with the switch from Mellon to, to Coates, that they are fully capable of, of battling out and, and grinding out results when need be. And they showed the kind of pressure and intensity that was really lacking from the game against Aberdeen last week. And if they could do this on a consistent basis, then Tab Courts would be fine. However, I don't think they're going to finish too high up the table if if Shanklin goes because it's still you can still evident for this game. Nicky Clark up front on his own, uh, flanked by Chalmers and Pollitt. It was kind of the ideal game for those kind of guys, the guys who are just going to do a lot of running, work tirelessly, show show a little fear as well. Peter Pollitt's always been somebody happy to take the ball and run with it. Logan Chalmers is the kind of same. Uh, Nicky Clark is somebody that's always kind of had that kind of cocksure, Gallus kind of Scottish attitude. This is the kind of ideal game for them to kind of not be bowed by the opposition, to get in their faces, to do that. It, what remains to be seen is whether this United team can do it against sides that they're going to be pressed. The pressure is going to be on them to try and break them down. And that's going to be interesting. And I still think they need some more new faces in the door for that to happen. Although there are rumours of, of faces coming in soon enough. But yeah, so uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, we were quite critical about United's chances this season. But has, has it made you change your mind at all about them going this campaign? I think in terms of you at least see that the players must be in some to some extent buying in. No, well, you can say that. It looks like the players are buying into to what Colts is trying to do, which is always a good sign because I think that's, to be honest, 80-90% of the battle half the time is if the players want to 
play for you, then at least you're going to you're going to get performances out of them. But at the same time, I think we discussed it. Uh, Ian Cathro beat Rangers. Um, Alex Dyer beat Rangers. It doesn't necessarily mean that a manager's going to go on and, and be great. The thing, I think the point you made, it, it was all the all the performances that were good for United were, were grafters. So you, you talked about the midfield three as well, Fuchs, uh, Harks and uh, the Butcher. They're all players who like battling. They like getting in people's faces. You saw that from Harks. He was really high up the park winning the ball back. They played a similar midfield against Kelty Hearts. Unsurprisingly, Kelty Hearts didn't really need they didn't really need to get in Kelty Hearts' faces and they couldn't create anything. So it will be interesting to see where is the creativity in the team going to come from. And it's so it's a totally different battle, but there was definite massive positive signs for them there in the sense that they, they were playing for the manager. They energy levels were great there was there was solid defending there was bits of quality as I say it wasn't loads of quality but there were times I mean even the finish from Robson really nice it's um, it's quite a well-worked goal and he hits it quite early I think McLaughlin's kind of taken by surprise by that and all those little bits are things where you go right these guys are capable of something and so we've got to be it's got to be a massive positive because they were so meek against Aberdeen last week and you thought is this you know are they just going to do nothing? Are they just going to be neither exciting to watch nor solid? And they're just going to lose a lot of games. But when you saw that, the the, the excitement's not really been there. But they got the they got the um, the, the performance and in, in the for the game that they needed. But as you say, it, it's a totally different challenge when they play someone else. You you mentioned lack of creativity. I don't think we'd say that about Rangers in a lot of games, considering the balance of riches they had, but. After kind of causing United a little bother in the early going with Arribo looking lively, Morelos having a couple of chances, didn't do an awful lot for the rest of the game. And once United went ahead, you weren't entirely surprised that they managed to see it out because Rangers looked so flat. And I mean, I wrote an article about this that was out uh, yesterday. Uh, so I've kind of, but, but I mean, assuming a lot of people reading this, uh, sorry, listen to this, wouldn't have heard this. So I could just go over some of those old points. There's it's definitely a problem with uh, having uh, John Lundstrom in the team uh, because he, so far, he's not been what he's advertised uh, is supposed to be, which is somebody that's supposed to be providing the kind of, another guy to basically do the R-field role, but somebody that's five years younger. Uh, somebody to kind of break through the lines, bring a lot of energy to that midfield three, bring a bit more balance because you've got guys like Davis and Kamara who can hold on to the ball a lot and do the simple things. And against United... I mean, this was the first really opportunity I've had to see him, but from going from what I've heard Rangers fans say about him and, and some of the other competitive games I've had so far, this this is the early the early worry about him is that he's to me he looked like somebody that was kind of trying to do a similar job to Davis or Kamara, and you just ended up with these three guys that were too far away from the forward line, uh, not impacting the game enough. The amount of times as well, like Lundstrom would get the ball. And he would just check back inside and give the ball back to either Goldson or look for Davis or, or Kamara and not try and, and, and kind of push the either push the tempo or even and you could say, well, maybe that's not his game. Maybe he needs one of them to carry the ball and him to do the work off it. Even then, he was usually just kind of staying in his kind of rigid shape on the on the right of midfield, which is, is fine if you're doing your defensive work as well. And he wasn't. He, he was it was him that lost uh, Robson for the goal. He he done that a few times where he just really wasn't tracking the runners. I, I know you're not a huge fan of him having watched him in the English Premier League. I haven't watched English football the last couple of years, so I have no idea about him. But I, to me, he looks right now, considering what he was advertised as. He's somebody that right now, to me, doesn't look 
familiar, doesn't look comfortable with his surroundings, doesn't look familiar, is playing very much within himself and not doing what he was supposed to bring to this midfield. And unless he's going to do that before Tuesday, I would rotate him out the side. Yeah, I, I I thought like when he played for Sheffield United, he was fine. He was uh, uh, the games that I saw because I probably watched more English football um, with the lockdown and stuff like that than I had previously. And he ran about a lot. He was you know for a for a mid table team, and then subsequently in the, the second year, a team battling relegation very badly. Um, he was a good player for that, but I found it very strange when Rangers signed him in the first place because they've got Davis, they've got Kamara, they've got Jack. I know Jack's out injured just now. Those three players, none of them, I mean, Kamara maybe, but none of them are probably going to leave. And so I didn't really see why they needed a fourth to do the same type of role. If they wanted to sign a a midfielder, I would have thought it would have been a more attacking one. And I think we've talked about this before, the the one problem they have with their midfield, I think, is in Scottish Premiership games, they they have a tendency to maybe be a wee bit cautious in the middle, Uh, not to maybe, you know, play play Aribo as a 10, for example, and just have two guys before With Jack Kamara and Davis... I mean, it's a great midfield for playing away to Porto, but playing away to Livingston, it's not quite the same. Yeah. And it's it, it led to them having not a good, not much link between the midfield and the attack, not as much as we normally have. And it wasn't helped, and obviously a, a horrible situation going on with him, but um, it wasn't helped by the absence of Roof because I think he is more likely to make something happen. You know, he's, he's a, um, I mean, Morelos obviously does as well, but having that option would, might have helped them just, just in terms of someone who will come and get the ball, do everything, Roof. I think he's a kind of all-round striker. But um, nonetheless, there was just a real lack of flair, a lack of creativity. Um, again, is this not the type of game where you start right? Um, and we came on for Lundstrom with 20 minutes to go, but someone who will run with the ball, because I thought right was superb in, um, against Malmo from, from the bit. I didn't see the whole game, but I saw, I think I saw the second half. And he was the one who looked like everything was coming through him. And so maybe they're keeping him for, for Tuesday night, but I would have thought this was the type of game where he, he would have um, have excelled for them. There were question marks, and I think I think a lot of Rangers fans and I think a lot of us probably thought they were going to cruise to the title this year, but having watched Celtic, and I know it was against poor opposition, and having watched them, I think there's going to be a bit more of a fight than they maybe were expecting. Yeah, that's certainly what we, what we want. And it's funny you get to that, like, it's, it's a couple of weeks into the season and, uh, like, it just seems, like, completely different. Oh, it's completely different from last week. You just thought, oh, we're just literally going to just absolutely take Me and Joel said at the show, it's a title over after one game. Is that it done? Uh, and then all of a sudden they're level on points and you're kind of, this question marks about Rangers. I mean, I'm, I'm still reckoning that Rangers are going to win this title. Um, I think there's just maybe... There's maybe too many holes in that Celtic squad and Rangers will iron out these problems um, because another factor as well, I thought with this game, you're right about uh, Scott Wright, by the way, he uh, Rangers looked better down that side immediately after he came on and he probably should have been on a lot sooner uh, for that very reason. But uh, I don't want to just pick on Lundstrom because on the other side of the field, everybody was rubbish. Kent was invisible. Uh, Barisic was fairly placid. Uh, Kamara didn't have a good game. So you're talking about... so you're. Your right side's already a wee bit blunted with, with somebody who's who's still trying to fit his way in the team, and then your left side was just poor in general. So, given all that, the fact it's Morelos's first game of the campaign as well, he looked lively but rusty at the same time. And you basically, yeah, it's kind of there's a wee bit of a perfect storm going on. They didn't have the most ideal of summers, and a Rangers fan I saw made a very good point as well, where he says that in the past three seasons under Gerard, they've all been in very early to hit the early rounds of European qualifiers. And they didn't 
have to do it quite so early this campaign. So I wonder whether it's just kind of throwing the team and maybe the management staff as well out a bit of a rhythm and whether how to how to judge guys that are not quite up to match sharpness or, or what fitness levels are like and, and, you know, things of that nature. Because it does seem like that's affecting them a little bit because it's still some of their bigger players aren't really kind of showing up as well. And so in that kind of good full circle, bringing back to your point, that's why I do think they will be fine. I think they're going to, I think they'll sort this out very soon, but it's whether they sort it out soon enough to defeat Malmo because that, if you really want to hammer home the complete change in the Scottish football landscape from last season that happened with Celtic giving up the 10, being a complete shambles, um, failing to qualify for the Champions League for now the, the fourth season in a row, it really hammer home that kind of complete instant change by Rangers making it to the Champions League. And also as well, they've talked about having to sell players. Uh, Stuart Robertson said that last year, they need to make more for player trading. They won't have to make that much for player trading if they make the Champions League. If they don't, then you can see maybe one or two guys who might not have left leave the exit door, and then things might start to get a bit more interesting. It's a very favourable draw they've ended up with as well if they do get through. So I think <clears throat> I think you're right, they can lose to Dundee United and it's fine, it doesn't have a big deal. But if they don't beat Malmo, such a huge missed opportunity. Malmo were not a very good team. We saw that the other night. There, there was nothing to fear. Rangers last year would have thumped them. Um, and, and then it looks like potentially Ludogorets will play in the next round. Um, potentially that's not not confirmed but if they ended up playing them again I don't know much about them but if you're talking about having a Bulgarian opposition rather than you know Greek, Turkish, whatever else you could be playing in that round of the competition that's massive so I think this is a huge game for them on Tuesday now and they need to get that yeah if you're, if you're talking about you know they're not in the rhythm yet they need to find, they need to find it very quickly or at least I mean, and having having fifty thousand folk behind them will probably help, but they, they need to um, they need to get their act together. To think this this as you say, these two games could set them, or these two ties in Champions League could set them up for the next five six years if they if they pull their card right with it. Right, let's move on to the next game and let's let's go to Celtic. Yeah, let's let's have the old form at the top for a change. Right, they defeated Dundee six 0 Yogo Furuhashi, he looks he looks all right. <laughs> Yeah, I was really impressed by him. I thought he was really good um, against uh, Jablonic the other night as well. Um, I, I kind of got when I when I, I obviously don't watch much J League, but when he came in, I got the impression he was going to kind of be a wide forward and maybe he still will be. But he's been playing. He's played almost like I wouldn't quite call it a false nine, but it's nearly a false nine because he's he's quite small. He's not really a target man, but he finds himself in so many good spaces and technically he looks absolutely superb. For the second week in the show, we're going to call somebody a nine and a half. Yeah, I, I, but I don't even think that applies to him either. Because that was, I mean, that if you're talking about Harry Kane, he doesn't quite play like Harry Kane. Um, because that's who I've ever heard that used about. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to pick. Yeah, he, he almost is. Um, he's almost like an, an old fashioned inside forward, but playing further in. But I don't know what that makes you. Maybe that does make you a false nine. I don't know. Anyway, regardless, he's a very technically gifted player, but also his intelligence um, is what stood out for me a lot here. He scored three goals. He genuinely could have scored about six in that game. The the chances he missed, the first one he missed before he scored was probably, well, it wasn't the best chance he had because he'd three basically tap-ins, but he, um, it was, a, it was a, a one that you should score and, and he had another couple kind of blocked and saved and things like that. He just picked up so much space and again, Maybe it's Dundee, maybe Dundee are just not very good and um, their defending certainly suggested that. But at the same time, most teams in the league aren't very good. So if he keeps doing that, he'll score a lot of goals and he'll, he'll create a lot. And 
that partnership that he seemed to immediately strike up with Christie. I mean, um, Christie had a, a tremendous game with some of the passes. It's a kind of back to peak Ryan Christie, which I've not seen for a long time. And there was so much quality in that performance from him. And you, if that's what they're going to get from him, then he's a, he's a snippet, whatever it was he paid for them. Uh, they paid for him, but... If million, I think. I think it was something in that region. But obviously, again, the test will come against better opposition. I don't remember him doing much when he came on against Hearts, for example, in a different scenario, of course. But it will be interesting to see because on that basis, he looks like he's going to be an, an absolute dynamite player to watch. I was far too steaming in the Hearts game by that point to, to <laughs> correct you or, or confirm what you said. <laughs> uh, I thought, it's funny you mentioned that chance that he had to... They missed before he'd even scored when he, he gave the nice uh, kind of interplay with, with Roderick, I think it was. Is that that's why it looks like he'll be? I mean, it's easy enough to say as well after he scored uh, a hat trick in, in his first uh, league start, but it, it looks like just for that moment, it kind of, it kind of epitomizes why he's going to be fine playing as a, in my opinion, why he's going to be fine playing as a central striker in Scotland, despite the fact he's like five foot seven and, and built like the. And, and not you know, but he's that well for for his size, he's not badly built. But I mean, when you're five foot seven, you're you're totally going to be yeah, a wee tank, are you? Um, and I think it showed that because he showed he made a great run. He, he used his body well to hold off the attentions of uh, I think it was Jordan Marshall coming in for left back, and that's the kind of thing you don't necessarily have to be. Uh, physically overpowering you just need to know how to use what you've got and I thought he did that kind of well just kind of stuck his arse on him shielded the ball away got himself that and um, got himself that space to attack then there's excellent technique as you spoke about for the flick that technique's just going to solve him really well and then just the positioning to get him right into the ideal scenario to receive the pass for Roderick and, and have a shot at goal these all these all things are going to mean that he doesn't have to be uh, a, a six foot you know, whatever guy. And Celtic are going to play the ball on the deck a lot of time anyway. So if he's if he's just interlinking with everybody else as he as he has done, then he should be should be an an, an excellent addition to the league. Certainly shows that I love his first goal as well, I have to say. Uh, the determination and intelligence to know that you have to he has to get in front of the defender. And he just absolutely sprints as well. Something you don't see players maybe do an awful lot is that he, he properly goes all out to get in ahead of Ryan Sweeney. Ryan Sweeney had a torrid day yes. trying to just mark him within like the six-yard box. He was, oh, the other bit of a shocker. But yeah, Celtic were very impressive overall. But I, I, this should be the caveat though of how bad Dundee uh, approached this game. Yeah, it was really naive from McPeak. It's not the first time you've seen a team, kind of newly promoted team. And, and obviously it's hard because there's probably a little bit of a sense around Scottish football that maybe Celtic are, are vulnerable at the moment and can be got at. So you're obviously a little bit tempted to think, or, you know, could could we go there and, you know, go toe-to-toe with them and play them off the park? But Hearts didn't do that. Hearts, I thought, I, I, I saw you and a couple of other people were critical of how Hearts played last week, but um, I, I thought Hearts got it spot on in terms of like, they, they it was almost a bit rope-a-dope. It was just kind of, get deeper and deeper and suck suck them out and then hearts were used the ball well when they had it there was none of that from Dundee it was it was so open it was so like you know here, here yeah, yeah you're 10 times better than this please have the ball please play around us let's do that um, and, and I don't know how how he thought it could could possibly work but um, yeah because yeah, it wasn't just that it was also the fact that they played like a kind of a higher line than most teams would at Celtic Park but didn't really put any pressure on the ball it was like is that not kind of coaching one on one 
Like if you play with a high line, you you have to really put pressure on the ball. Otherwise, it's too easy for them to play behind you. It, it was maybe maybe I really didn't want to go to Milton Keynes, so it was just like uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> too many roundabouts. Um, but the yeah, it was it was really poor from Dundee. And again, they're not going to be their their quality this season is not going to be judged. I think they'll actually be all right this season, but. Um, they're not going to be judged on that, but it's certainly they can't go to Celtic Park and Ibrox and play like that. They probably can't even go to Easter Road or, or Pataudry and play like that because they'll they will be battled at it. One of the most baffling things as well was just not even put a man on Callum McGregor. Like McGregor dictated everything, but he he's basically allowed to. Like every time you always see every time he picked up the ball, you always see it would be in a pocket of space where there was like you could see four Dundee players around him, but they were all at least 10, 15 yards away from him. It was when they were they were getting overrun in the midfield, and I thought, right, they're going to take Charlie Adam off, and then they brought him Luke McKibben, and it's like he's a winger. I don't, I don't think that's how you're going to. Um, There's just a lot not to like from Dundee um, there, but I I think it's a it's a mix of how bad they were, but Celtic, and and I think to be fair, um, the results haven't always been there or didn't weren't there at the start with Postecoglou, but you can definitely immediately see what he's trying to do, and it's a totally different style of football from. And and it's it's kind of if you talk about the cheesy kind of Celtic way of the way Celtic want to play and expect to play, that is it. I mean, that's kind of what what um what I think the sort of traditional Tommy Burns style Celtic football was. <laughs> but Tommy Burns wasn't ultimately successful and it'll be it'll remain to be seen whether, yeah, whether he the, is. Won the first trophy in like eight years or something. Well, he won the trophy. Uh, he didn't he didn't do what he was there for. He didn't win the league in it. I mean, but Janssen probably played the same same sort of way. Nonetheless, in fact, that's a bit of a sidetrack. I think one thing I wanted to point out is um Tony Ralston. Is he good enough to be Celtic's first choice right back? No, he's not, but as I'm now starting to think maybe he's all right to hang around and be a backup if they bring someone else in, which I would never have thought I would have been saying. He gives away a lot of fouls. His crossing's terrible. <laughs> he gets he he gets himself into position. I, I'm I'm definitely a believer in in terms, and we'll talk about someone else later on who's in the same category um, in a different game. Players can get better no matter what age they are, and no matter you know when when a different coach comes in, someone that's just more suited to how they want to play and how and makes use of, of their abilities. And you're already seeing that with him because he's got into two really great positions to score goals where if he was playing under Neil Lennon, he'd have been asked to hug the touchline. He would have been nowhere near the penalty box for either of those goals that he scored. And I, again, I appreciate they were already 4-0 up against Dundee in this one. But getting in field, it seems to actually suit him, I think, because he's always got lots of options. I always felt when he's out, on the, out wide, he can't cross, like I said, and he looks lost. He doesn't know what to do with the ball. But when he kind of Drifts in the park a bit more. It's like he's got options on his right and his left. So he's always, it, it feels like he's, he's now got a decision to make where he can actually do something. Whereas it just looks like when he's out stuck in the wing, he just very often will turn back and pass it to somebody. And and it lets him run a bit. And I think that's probably what he's pretty good at, is running with the ball. Um, or, or just making runs in general. And so it'll be interesting to see what does happen. I mean, they surely are going to sign a right back and they surely should sign a better right back. But, now you look at him and think, do you know what? Maybe he's not as bad as we've been saying for the last three years, and maybe he'll be wrong, and maybe he'll, he'll you know, immediately chuck in, chuck in three goals against Jablonich and, and Thursday night. But I am starting to be won over a little bit by him. 
And speaking about previously kind of forgotten Celtic talents, uh, Tom Rogic scoring. Uh, I did like the reaction of a Celtic fan. I don't know if it was uh, in any way corrected. I, I, I kind of assumed it was, but <laughs> it panned to the crowd and I'm pretty sure you could see about four or five people just kind of laughing like the, the Tom Rogic had finally kind of done something of noting a Celtic shirt again. And with him, obviously, Postacoglu will know him from uh, his time uh, with the Australian national team. I don't know if Roderick would have been much around the squad back then. But... Oh, he was, no, he was pretty much the, the star player. So was he? Was right. much, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Um, I remember um, when Roderick first kind of emerged. Uh, yeah, when, when I mean, because I went to see an Australia game when I, when I lived over there and he was a manager and, and Roderick was, yeah, he was the, the main man in the team kind of thing. So, so yeah, very much... Um, was kind of a he was they, they played like two number tens behind a striker and he was he was one of the two so yeah no it was very much so and that's why I was surprised and I thought the the writing must have been on the wall for him when when Postacoglu came in and he still wasn't playing um, I thought that he's obviously his time's up and and I still think it is but um, yeah it was good to see him back on the score sheet right let's go for here to let's go to Almondville Livingston one Aberdeen two. Last minute goal from well, last minute goal from, from Jack McKenzie. If you can if you give it to him, <laughs> he took the shot uh, and uh, yeah, Max Jack threw it in. That was after uh, Teddy Jenks had uh, tied up uh, Bruce Anderson's opener. What did you uh, What did you make of this one? The Livingston were alright. They were better than I thought they were going to be. But at the same time, they were better than I thought they were going to be at spoiling. They they didn't do a lot. I did. I expected a wee bit more from them on the ball um, and, and they didn't really do it. And Aberdeen are probably better than I've been giving them credit for as well. I think that all the games I've seen from them this season, I thought, you know what, Glasses seems to have them doing the right things. And so I watched them the other night against Breda Blick as well and, and it was the same. Defensively, they look a wee bit shaky, um, but when they've got the ball compared to McInnes's kind of style they're, they're much more um, much more on the deck much more using wide players using um, through the middle kind of they're much more energetic it's a lot harder to predict it's maybe back to that very first McInnes team in terms of style which never was really replicated again but I thought it was quite an entertaining game in general, but three essentially I think three goalkeeping mistakes for three goals so I don't know where uh, I know where he, where he stand on that first one, but I think Lewis should just be taking taking bodies, and he doesn't. And then, obviously, the third one goes without saying. But but Jenks' goal as well, I think I think it's a mistake from Strijek as well. Lewis Lewis should either be staying put or coming with a bit more authority than he does. He kind of gets lost a little bit in between the two. And I want to give uh, Jenks credit just for the first one because it was a well hit strike, uh, and the, the final one. Obviously, it's just an absolute shocker, and it does uh, put questions over. Streak going into the rest of this season because I always wonder. I always kind of wondered if he was a little bit overrated just by not being. Well, I didn't always wonder. I, could, I thought he was, was better to start with as well. But kind of towards the end of the season, when I kind of had a look at, at Streak's kind of campaign as a whole, didn't really make that many impressive saves after his debut against Rangers. And the fact that Martindale kept going back to McCrory. Now, usually when I mean sometimes it's just managers being complete fannies, um, but often there's a reason behind it. And you had to wonder whether Martindale was just seeing in training that McCrory was better. And if there was any, like, so therefore he'd forgive mistakes made by McCrory in games than he would by Streak, who was kind of harshly punted out the side after he made them a 
mistaken a game against St Johnson and then conceded three goals at Tannadice the following week, none of which were his actual fault, but then he was kind of bombed out again. You know, it took a while for him to get back into the side. And but it does make me wonder whether he's actually that good or he just made a few mistakes last season and he just wasn't as error prone as McCrory, and that's why he looked a better goalkeeper. So there's certainly question marks about him. Question marks, the other question mark I have about Livy, and this goes all the way back to starting eleven. To see um Obi-Lai at the heart of the defence instead of Parks doesn't say a lot for that particular signing. So Obi-Lai, I, I saw a couple of times last season played for Queen of the South. For what I've saw of him, he looks much more impressive as a defensive midfielder than he does yeah. as a centre-back. If you were looking at him as a centre-back playing for Queen of the South and saying this guy's going to be in the Premiership next year playing at centre-back, he'd be What's what's happened to cause this? Like, so it's a little bit worrying that the kind of the replacement, what seemed to be the kind of tailor made replacement for John Guthrie, coming from a similar level of English football, similar style of player to Guthrie. If they're not convinced by him, then that already makes a questionable defence even more of an issue. And yeah, I mean, they lose a bit for midfield as well because I think. I thought, yeah, some place. I guess he was kind of he was kind of bigged up as the Marvin Butler replacement yeah. with him, kind of taking a step back into more of a coaching role. Because I thought that, that when I saw him playing defence for Queen of South, it was a couple of times last season. He looks a bit shaky, and then you saw him step into midfield, and then you thought, oh, this guy, you can see why Levy want this guy because he's he was very very good in the midfield, and yeah, it's been weird to see him drop back in there, and and there's there's a lot of weird. I mean. It was kind of an in-between formation as well because I, I feel like Longridge was sometimes playing left-back, sometimes playing left-centre-back. It felt a wee bit like they didn't know if they were playing a back three or a back four at times as well because Penrith was kind of up and down and everything, their shape wasn't exactly what you kind of come to expect from Martindale, which is that you, you at least you know where, where people are and stuff like that. And what, what I would say to their, their uh, credit though was that all the kind of classic levy things are spoiling the game and, you know, not giving opponents time they mostly were good at but a lot of the other things that you do still need to win football games in which Levy were good at they, they no longer have which is you know when they're on the ball doing things with it and when um, you know defending when they have to defend defending defending well because Aberdeen had other chances um, beyond the goals as well and yeah to, to, to look at Aberdeen a little bit more, I think it was, yeah, you could see before right to kick off that Glass was shaking up the team. They've played now three European matches, uh, so they're obviously going to be a wee bit more, going to be a few more tired legs than they will be in, in the teams that aren't in Europe, like Livingston. So he's freshened it up a bit. Uh, Calvin Ramsey came out of the side as did. Yeah, but Brown was out as well. They also removed Ramirez. He started from the bench. And uh, Jenks started, and so Lewis Ferguson was out, as was uh, McCrory. So, a number of changes to the the kind of what is be typically looked upon as their strongest side so far this season. Uh, this is the Ryan Hedges coming back to start eleven in fairness, but there was a lot of things that didn't quite work. Um, I think Jack Gar was okay, but he wasn't the same as Calvin Ramsey. Uh, Teddy Jenks in the centre. Looks like he's got something about him. Get a bigger guy who can looks like he'd be quite a strong runner, kind of good driver of the ball. Showed that he's got a decent hit on him. Don't think him and McGeeck worked together too well, although, I mean, it's the first time playing with each other. That might get better. But I think you saw that in the build-up to the goal. That was, it was a Longridge's chance, which was uh, saved for a corner. And then they, they scored from the, the set-piece bit. That came about from McGeeck and, and Jenks just not being on the same page in the centre of the park. And... You also saw as well up up front, 
uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas being asked to do the kind of Ramirez role uh, instead of the kind of number 10 role. He's been playing, I don't think it really, it, it's weird to say because we thought of him as a forward going into this, but the, the way that they've managed to blend together those two at the point of the Aberdeen attack, we thought Jet was trying to do his usual kind of game and come deep and there wasn't really anybody to go beyond because the other player playing beside it was Niall again, who until the second half didn't really get into the game too much. And yeah, so there was just a lot of, all the kind of pieces that fitted together so well uh, when we first saw this Aberdeen team in the, in the previous couple of games just didn't quite function when, with a few of them taken out. Is that a bit of a concern? Eh, yes and no, I suppose. I still think they do need another striker. Um, and I think this game highlighted that, that you want, like whenever either of Jet or Ramirez come out, I think you want somebody else playing on the shoulder because they can both do that hold-up role. And that, that's, that's how it manages to work because they've got all these runners and they've got these two guys that can hold up. But at the same time, it's mainly Jet can do a lot of the holding up and Ramirez looking to play on the last shoulder. So if you can get somebody with a bit of pace, because I still think that will be an issue as well when you're facing certain teams as the season goes on, then that would be the kind of ideal addition for Aberdeen to bring somebody in like that. Uh, but at the same time, a, a few teething problems, but you know, it's a kind of, it's a new system. It's a very kind of attacking system. It's a very fluid system and you're trying to integrate new players in it. You're going to have these these kind of issues early on. I, I think centre-half is an issue for me with them, though, to be honest. Um, I watched the, uh, every game I've seen, to be honest, I don't, I don't rate McCrory. I know you don't either rate McCrory as a centre-half. Now, he's perhaps slightly better. I, I, this is a more general point. He obviously wasn't playing at all yesterday, but um, I thought he was really poor against Breeder Blick. I just don't think it's his, it's his strength. I know he's, he's, they've tried him at right back a wee bit as well, but but I think he's more than capable in central midfield in this system that they're trying to play. I know why they, they want a ball player at the back, which is why they've, they've kind of kept putting him there. I think they need a, a better ball playing centre half, and I think they need to bite the bullet and, and only play one of Gallagher or Considine, and, and probably it's Gallagher. Um, Gallagher was getting sick off the TV commentator, which I couldn't really quite understand for... He, he picked up the ball at centre-half, ran 40 yards, nobody was showing for a pass and he eventually turned and tried to play a, a difficult pass and gave the ball away and was getting stick for it and I, I didn't really understand it so I'm wondering if the knives are already out for Gallagher a bit but there's been nothing um, I, I thought for, for that. He was trying to make things happen, he was trying to drive the game on but in general, centre-half I think is, is potentially a problem. I think full-back... Um, Ramsey looks good enough. Um, Gar, we saw yesterday. Maybe it's okay as a backup. Yeah, he's not technically great, but he's, he's a runner and he, he tries hard and all that stuff. Mackenzie looks fine. I am um, obviously. I mean, the goals. The goal. Ninety percent of the time, he's getting pelters from his teammate for for trying that shot on his weak foot, which he's never going to score from. Um, but for the goalkeeper making a mistake, but. He gambled and, and it paid off in this particular um, this particular time. And obviously Hayes is another option at, at left back, I think. Um, and that's concerning, I guess, for for uh, Europe going forward. Was Hayes going off um, going off injured yesterday? And they'll be hoping that's obviously nothing and nothing major because I think he's he's an important player for them. Um, so so yeah, I I'm actually more positive about Aberdeen than I was kind of in the summer, having watched them play a few times. I think I think Glass seems to have built something nice and I think Ramirez is much better than I expected he was going to be as well so I think they would do well um, obviously one of three teams sitting on maximum points at the moment um, uh, they probably won't win every single game this season I'll, 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 put, my, I'll put myself on the line for that one but um, yeah I, I think they probably are going to they're getting, they're, 
they may not have as good a season in terms of where they finish as if sometimes had under McInnes, but I think it will be a more exciting season. Right, let's go from there to another team that looks very impressive, but probably still won't win every game. That's Hibs beating Ross County 3 nothing. They were up. This game's done within, what was it 35 minutes or something? Yeah, I'd just say, even I was doing my, when I was watching this, I thought, I'm just going to watch the watch up to that goes 3 0 here and they're not going to bother with the rest of yeah, it. I, I'd done the same and then watched the uh, the highlights on the uh, sports scene and apparently I didn't miss anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, all I missed was trying to see how good uh, Jack Burrows and Harry Clark were for Ross County and I thought yeah. I can live I can live without the knowledge of how good they are for one more week. Aye, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll check them out next time. Um, the um, County's, County's system. Like, let me just... Oh, this is great. So we can rip, we rip to the Malky Mackay for years. He's also got a body patch coming on. Which yeah, is, uh, he's, he's putting a lot of weight as well. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, yes, this is great. So, yeah, we're going to get to rip it um, for being a shy manager because he certainly was for this game. Playing 3 5 2 against this Hibs side. Sorry, Malky, you don't mean paying any attention at all. They've got, especially with, I mean, maybe they didn't realize that Doig was coming back, fair enough. But still, uh, Doig and Jamie Murphy on one side, Paul McGinn and Martin Boyle on the other against a team outside the Celtic Rangers in this league. You're going to struggle to get better than that. Like, two guys that are like four guys. You're just excellent on the wings. And you protect that by uh, having playing 3-5-2, having just wing-backs following them the, the entire game and trying to stay on top of them. And it was so... It didn't really play a much part in the first goal, but it was so obvious how big a part it played in goals two and three. The second goal, McGinn has all the time in the world. Like He's about 40 yards for goals. Nobody putting any pressure on me. standing about 10 yards of space. You just look up, sees Jamie Murphy come in short on the other flank, switches it over to him. Doy goes long. So because Doy goes long, Conor Randall, who's playing wing back, goes with him. That means that Jamie Murphy's got about a 15, 15 yard head start. Gets going, beats one man, gives it to Doig, ball goes in. Uh, somehow nobody marks uh, Kyle McGinnis just wandering to the edge of the six yard box. I think that was Harry Payton's fault for what I could tell for the replays. And then you also had the third goal where, kind of similar to the second, this time, again, McGinn in loads of space. This time it was caused. Martin Boyle had attacked the penalty box. Regan Charles Cook, who was playing on that side. And by the way, try to get Regan Charles Cook and Alex Iacoviti as a double team to try and stop Martin Boyle. Fucking what? <laughs> so they, so that, uh, yeah. So it's, again, again, left loads of space. This time he crosses himself and uh, puts on the head a uh, Dodge, uh, who sneaks in the corner. I did want, for the replays, you couldn't really put any fault on them, but I did wonder whether Laidlaw could have done a bit better because I was a wee bit surprised they went in for the initial angle like it, it didn't seem the most powerful of headers I kind of expected the goal to turn it around the post and then it just right, went in the back of right the net the, it's right in the corner I mean I, I'm not a big Ross Laidlaw fan but I think he, as you said there's probably eight or nine other Ross County players we can point out before him yeah, for that I goal but, I. Um, but yeah I, I know what you mean I think a better goalkeeper than Ross Laidlaw would save that but I'm, I'm always going to don't want to be too critical of a goalkeeper when he just doesn't make a save because it, it's, it's just he's just not good enough to make it compared to him actually being a mistake you would have seen one of my favourite moments for this game. Uh, <laughs> do you remember in the old days of FIFA and ProEv when players, the, the gameplay wasn't quite good enough yet for players to just kind of turn from one direction to the other? So we were trying to turn. So you could turn and run round a player by kind of doing it in steps. Like you could run straight for five yards and run straight and then run straight and run straight. And each time just slightly change your angle and you'd kind of yeah. go around them in a big loop. Martin Boyle done that to Yakaviti. <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> 
I, I haven't. I never made my mind up last season as to whether Yakovy was any good, and I really still haven't. Like he's got, he's got some some strengths, you know. And um, I think he's okay but, in a two on the left of a three. No, but I just think I I don't understand. And they did it last season as well. Regan Charles Cook isn't a wing back as well. He's they signed him. He was meant to be an attacking, like like quite a creative attacking player, and then he seems to have been. It's almost like they've went right. You're just not good enough as an, yeah. a creative player, but we've got you on a contract. Let's just get you in a position where you can do some running. I forgot that's and, exactly it. <laughs> uh, I mean, surely if he was that highly sought after in England when when they signed him as he was supposed to have been, surely someone else down there will take him back off your hands and just cut your losses on him because as a wing back, you I mean when Paul McGinn's giving you the run around, you know you're you're in a bit of bother. Um I actually thought like for county, I don't mean they started well, but they were in the game up until the goal. They they yeah. had kind of wee half chances. They they were they were up the park a bit. I mean um the chance but it was mistakes from both full back both centre backs. So first of all Hamlin tries to play his way out of the corner, um, gives it away and then the cross comes over and Portis completely loses Jordan White and it's a free header which you should score. Um and they were attacking, but you can see they were attacking with numbers in that attack as well. I think there was six six county players in in or around the box, and that's their big chance because you go one 0 up and it's a it's a totally different game. Um, I'm still going to say they would get murdered by playing three at the back against that. Hadn't seen the goals. Hadn't seen the goals. I was like, okay, first goals got nothing to do with that. But I was I was I was just yeah. I was like, surely goals two and three. At least one of them is going to be down to this because this but makes no pos- sense. Possibly it turns in it turns into eight at the back. Do you know what I mean? And then it becomes harder. I suppose. To play but um, after that, the fact that they conceded three goals in 11 minutes is always a big, massive alarm uh, for me in terms of <sighs> that's a collapse and you should, it's bad enough collapsing at any point, but in your second game of the season, why, why is the manager not just going, you know, when they go 2-0 down, right, just see out to halftime, we'll, we'll have a, we'll sort out halftime, we'll change the formation, we'll, we'll try and get back in it at that point. Instead, it was just they just got more and more open. They got ripped to shreds um, again, and and I mean, yeah, as you say, it's a, it's a, uh, there's a number of players at fault individually, but the fact that you can concede three goals in such quick succession always worries me for a team, especially a team that are already being tipped has not been very good. Um, there wasn't a lot to like about Ross County in this game, and. I mean, maybe the new Hamilton in terms of they just look shite all season and somehow stay up, but you're already... You're really, you're really giving county fans something to hope for. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, your best case scenario. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, Hibs are a good team, so you don't, you don't want to... Yeah, Hibs are a good team, but crucially, this is a game that Hibs really struggled in last year. And and, in fact, they actually lost the county at home. And I mean, they know they've also got Hibs are at least half going to have their mind elsewhere with this game. Their, their team lineup didn't reflect that. They they definitely didn't. Definitely know, no Nisbet. Yeah, that's what I believe. Even him out, but bringing Doig back in, all that type of stuff. It wasn't like they took the game lightly. It wasn't like they rotated as many players as um, as you know some Wilson Johnston did, for example. But um, the they've got a massive game out in Croatia and. In some senses, like, uh, Ross County gave them exactly what they wanted, which was to let them just ease up in the second half and not worry about it. Um, yep, boost their confidence. Whereas if it was still 1-0 at half time, maybe they start worrying about injuries. They start Maybe Ross starts withdrawing players and things like that. And it was it was bad game management as well. And that comes down again to the, the, the fat, baldy um, manager. <laughs> right. Right, let's say... Uh... 
Let's move on to our penultimate game. Let's go to let's go to Paisley, where Hearts recorded a two-one victory over St Mirren. Goals from Andy Halliday and Liam Boyce, and a elite header from Joe Shaughnessy. Because couldn't have been simple enough just to see the game out two 0 No, I had to. Had to, had, to give it, had to concede a free header from about four yards uh, to oh. give someone a bit of hope. Hearts do have a point on for that. It really does seem like something that you know. I know everyone says oh, our team do that quite a lot, but it it does see, it does seem to be a big thing for for Hearts. Um, yeah, but it, I mean you 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 know better than me, but it looked it looked mostly comfortable for Hearts. Like definitely a deserved win um, and lots of good performances, especially kind of the the bottom half of the park or the if that counts, the defensive half of the park. Yes, uh, John Suter was excellent again. Um, I think he had the most, something like tied for the most progressive passes in the league this this weekend. Uh, Craig Halkett won absolutely everything. Um, I'm starting to wonder whether, because he played well against Celtic as well, and uh, anybody listens to the show knows I am not a huge Craig Halkett fan. I was when he was at Livy, uh, just not in a heart shirt, but I do wonder whether his powers could have come alive in a, in a three at the back rather than a, 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 a two-man centre-half duo because that's since going to that formation this season, he's, he's looked a lot better than he he looked a lot better than he did the, the league below. So, I mean, that's, uh, there's got to be something in it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, started again with quite a... I mean, maybe Hearts are just going to try to do this all season. Um, they wouldn't be necessarily that pretty to watch, but... And we'll get the fans on Nielsen's back eventually. Um, but I suppose if you're, you're getting results, especially picking up away wins, which is something, that, and especially in Paisley, where Hearts have only, it's the first, uh, I think, league win there since 2010. And the first uh, win of any sort in Paisley since 2012, since the uh, Scottish Cup quarterfinal replay, uh, where uh, Jamie Hamill and Skatchel scored. That was that somehow managed to finish that one 2-0. Uh, but yeah, uh, but the, the lineup. Very similar to Celtic. In fact, the only change from the Celtic team was that Kingsley, who was injured, dropped out uh, to be, or was it L? I think it might be been L, uh, to be replaced by, God, I've blanked now. Uh, oh, Hayden. Yeah, Hayden. Cochran, Cochran went back went. at the back three. Um, Halliday went to left wing back and Heron played in the centre. And I thought Heron and Benny uh, made a very good kind of partnership. I think we'll see, that's something we'll see a lot in away games. Well, they're also bringing, uh, supposed to be bringing this guy as well. Um, is it Cameron Devlin, his first name? Uh, he's, I think, another kind of similar type of player for that. So maybe that's something that Nielsen's looking at doing quite a lot. Uh, and like I say, it will be quite handy in away games and in games against Hibs in the old form. And, and probably Aberdeen as well. When you're looking for your midfield to be more stoppers and to stop the other team from playing, uh, we know that Heron's good for that. Benny's already really looked... I'm not even trying to pronounce... Uh, attempt to pronounce his surname yet. I've not heard that enough. So <laughs> he's Benny for now. Uh, and he's, he's a kind of similar player here. And I think there's Cameron Devlin coming in similar as well. Somebody who's just very good at, at winning back position for your team. And then that gives you the platform. I'd still like us to see... I'd still like us to play with kind of better attacking quality at the wing-backs. I wouldn't mind Halliday playing there for a bit for a bit while longer. I think his I think some of his best games in a heart shirt have come when he's either played left back or left wing back. I think as a centre midfielder, it doesn't really offer an awful lot. It's it really just kind of getting through on that on reputation alone. Uh, but out, out in the wing, he kind of because we do have to kind of remember as well that Halliday started his career yeah, as, a, kind of, as a forward slash winger. <laughs> like yeah. he used to score quite a lot of goals. So I think he has that kind of sense. And even when he did that job for Rangers, I thought he'd done it okay. On a, on a team that was kind of going for the title, so he, he definitely has that in his in his locker. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Nielsen use him out there more than he would in the centre. Uh, but then, yeah, and and I'd also Michael Smith. 
I mean, every Hearts fan loves Michael Smith, but it's, I think he's about to turn 33. And he's never been the, he's been a dependable guy going forward, but never been the most exciting. And I'd also like to see Hearts go a wee bit more kind of attacking out there at times as well. But if, but it's clear that Nielsen's plan at the moment is just kind of build a solid base and trust that the, the front three can kind of basically go win you the game. And Boyce was exceptional. Um, Mackay Stephen was yeah, kind of his usual in a heart shirt. And any shots? Josh Dinelli didn't have a good game, but then uh, Nanjali came on and he was excellent. He really uh, held the ball well, gave Hearts kind of foothold when they were kind of struggling to do so. So um, I was going to ask you about that in general when you talk about the back three. And I think what you're seeing is Cochrane stepping in. Kingsley can, can play both as well. You've got Smith right wing back and obviously could play centre half as well. What do you think of Janelli as a right wing back? Because I thought that might be something that they would try a bit. Because I think it, it, he's he's obviously very direct, but he'd get him a bit further away from goal, which I think probably suits him. He's got more chance to run at people defensively. In a lot of games, they'll be all right. Like, yeah. do you think they need another wing back, or do you think he can? Good question. Actually, um, you could probably do another one just because Smith could cover so many positions. Like Smith could also play centre midfield as well. Yeah. Like Smith could go anywhere. Uh, so. If you haven't Smith going anywhere and you're playing at home someday and Ginelli's injured because he spent last, most of the last season injured, I'd still like to see Hearts bring in somebody else in that position. It does seem though that Nielsen is kind of really prioritising the defensive side of it first before really adding a lot more. But he obviously has maybe a lot more faith in guys like Jamie Walker and Gary McKay-Steven and, Gine- and, um, and Angeli more than the kind of average fan does, I think, at this moment in time. You should probably talk about St Mirren. In fairness, I thought that they did play... After Hearts could have controlled a lot of the early going, yeah, Suburn came back in it a bit. I think Power had a, a no bad game in the centre. Uh, so far, he's kind of looked all right, I think, in a Suburn jersey. I, I know that he was somebody we kind of worried about coming into the season, given the fact that he looked so poor for killing. You wonder just whether his legs had gone. I think it's just maybe one of those. I mean, he's not going to go on forever. <laughs> I think he's, what, 34 uh, now? And. So the time is going to come soon where he falls off a cliff, but it's it's maybe he's maybe not falling off that cliff just yet, and it's maybe just an example of somebody joining a team that's a bit more highly functioning than the Kelly team was last year, and then obviously looking better due to that. Um, Trying yeah, to think I mean, what else um, to to do with something. Yeah, I mean, they, it sounds like uh, Kelty's not really made the best start there, but I'm not necessarily surprised. I thought that I think we talked about this; it, it didn't seem like the right destination for him. I think there are other teams in the Premiership he could have done better at, but he, yeah, they 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 look like like St. Mary, they look like a team that I've got absolutely no worries about them being anywhere near the the, the relegation zone this season because they've, they've just got too many good players for that. And um, and and unlike when you say teams get too many good players, but they're all old, they're not. They've got a, a good kind of age mix and stuff like that. Um, I do think trying to rely on Curtis Main and Eamon Brophy as your strike partnership, we are not going to score very many goals. Um, I think they could do with something a bit different. Like, I don't know. I've still got a wee, a wee, a wee bit of faith in Main to help turn Brophy into the 15-goal season striker. He, can, he, can, I, maybe, he maybe has in him. I think I think they need a, a creative player next to him and it he, and he would, he would be great. But... Um, I, I think they. I mean, it's what good Goodwin wants. That's how Goodwin plays, and you know that. And and so you're not. He's not going to change it, and and probably nor should he, to be honest. But I think the there are games like this where a wee bit extra quality they could have taken something from the game, 
but they don't really have it. And or, or if they hadn't they gone down to 10 men immediately after <laughs> scoring. <laughs> Literally immediately after. And, and it's one of the funny ones because players get away with that all the time. I think it's a red card, but players get away with that all the time. Yeah. They, they blindside somebody and, and the ref just doesn't see it, basically, or, or doesn't have enough confidence that it's deliberate. But it's, it's just really... If you, you at least need to disguise it a wee bit better in a different a different phase of the game or something like that, not immediately after kickoff and all the focus is on you. <laughs> Certainly helped me. I was getting a bit worried. Like, so I'm not going to throw it. Oh, right. <laughs> Down to Tim, I didn't see the referee. Because as well, Rob, uh, Rob was at the... No, sorry. I, I should definitely make that clear. Rob was not at the game. Rob was doing commentary for Hearts TV, but they were doing it from a studio. Uh, so they were just watching the same pictures as the fans. So you've seen they were watching highlights of the goal and then you just immediately switched to Don Robertson just walking with a red card in his hand. <laughs> but then putting it back in his pocket and then like just switched to Christian Terrace walking off the park. <laughs> it was like, what the hell has happened here? Uh, it, was, it was a, it was a, it's a strange weekend for players receiving red cards, kind of questioning it and then just walking off. Like cause Jordan Marshall did the same thing because... Um, I think he was he was surprised it was a straight red as was I actually um, it wouldn't have mattered because he'd been booked anyway and he would have got a second yellow but yeah. it was the same with Dennis it was like oh you're going to send me off for that and I suppose I can't argue too much and then just walked off but yeah it did, it did chuck away any small chance they had of getting back in the game um, McGrath seemed to be involved again I think he's someone that when you talk about the, the creativity but he's yeah. maybe He's, I always say it's like predictable creativity. He's not going to do much that you don't expect, but he does it well, if, if that makes sense. Ah, um, it was his, his cross for the his cross for the equaliser. No, he did have a good game as well. Uh, the man won bad. The man won bad. They um they get to pay the price for like really kind of slack opening twenty odd minutes where Hearts could have commanded the game, scored a goal, and then that gave Hearts something to hold on. To. And I'm uh, an error for the for the goal. Anik shouldn't be letting that go through him. Oh yeah, aye, that was that was very poor. Um, Right, let's move on to our final game. Uh, I didn't see uh, this one. Uh, that was uh, St. Johnson against Motherwell. One each. Tony Watt uh, levelling up late doors after uh, Stephen O'Donnell, old goal, had uh, given St. Johnson a first-half lead. What was this game like? Yeah, I was, it was quite an entertaining game, or at least decently entertaining. It wasn't It wasn't as bad as St. Johnson won Motherwell, one might sound. Um St Johnson will be disappointed for the second week running, maybe for the third game running that they've um, they've got a draw when they probably will think they should have won. Mullerwell were, were very much in the game, but once St Johnson went one nil up, Mullerwell fell out of it for a while, and um, it wasn't really until the change bringing bringing Watt on for Connor Shields that they they kind of got back into it. But St Johnson, as they often do when they go one nil up, had control of the game, and you really thought they were going to see it out, but the. I think that I think they missed. They, they didn't have Jason Kerr. He was hopefully rested rather than um, rather than um, injured or anything like that. Um, it seemed to be similar in this bit. He said he had a knock, so it's kind of one of those ones. He'd probably play if he didn't have a chance. massive European game coming up. Um, Hayden Muller was playing uh, playing in his role, and Muller actually looked quite good. I, I was quite impressed by him. Um, got himself into a lot of good positions, um, but was found wanting for that for that goal. Um, you see the ball. Gordon's probably a bit at fault as well. Um, what what play, lays the ball out and then he, he gets it back and he's just uh, completely unmarked in the box. And then they had a chance, it was what, again, three or four minutes later, where again he manages to get, a, it was a free header that time and, and just, just stuck out, I think it was over the bar. So... <laughs> 
they'll be disappointed in the sense that I think they had control of the game and they just weren't able to be as solid as they usually are to see it out. So I, St. Johnson are very good. I, I don't want to get away from that. They, they, they look every bit as good as they were last season. Glenn Middleton's back. He really seems to be confident there. He, he had a good game. May had a good game at doing what Stevie May 2.0 does, which is everything but scoring goals. Um, they, they, they just, the, the midfield is, is solid. Rooney was kind of doing, you know, he's winning headers at the back post and, and everything like that. For Motherwell, it's very hard to get a gauge on how good they are or otherwise. Um, Lamy and Mugabe, to be fair to them, I think I think a lot of their fans have been worried with that back too, but we're, we're fine. Um, O'Donnell and Motherwell, it just doesn't seem to work. I mean, he, I'm not blaming them for the own goal. I think he has to, he's reacting to a ball coming over someone else's head, but he, he doesn't get involved in the game nearly as much as you've seen him do for, for, for Kelly or, or for Scotland, in fact. Um, Shields I don't think I think he was wasted he was kind of playing wide of Van Veen most of the time I think Connor Shields at Queen of the South was kind of on the shoulder centre forward and he's too predictable to be to play out wide you're not going to get anything surprising from him Woolery was playing as part of the front three as well what's the good things about him I think he carries the ball really well um, he had a really nice pass I think for a chance for Van Veen um, in the first half but not convinced by him. Van Veen had some good touches, but I do think he's going to be a player that when he's on the telly, he's going to be absolutely brilliant. And then some of the rest of the time, he won't be. And I think bringing, bringing Watt on was what kind of brought him back into the game. A guy that, um, you know, just had a wee bit extra quality, um, you know, and, and a wee bit unpredictability. But Mother will, Mother will be a wee bit worried from that performance, I think, just that they went through fast waves of the second half where they just couldn't get a grip of the game at all. Um, Liam Kelly dug them out a couple of times. Um, it was two, two very good goalkeeping performances. And when I was talking earlier about Ralston and players improving regardless of their age, I think we have to start giving a bit of credit to Xander Clark um, as much as it, as it pains me to do so. Um, and it only pains me because people have been kind of touting them for Scotland call-ups. Yeah, it pains us because every time he has a fucking good game, everybody pretends that he's not been shit for like two and a half years. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so when he when he, he, he was starting to get tipped for Scotland call-ups because he put a header into Chris Kane's path against Rangers and that seems a bit... And then saved a penalty after it in the shootout. That seems a bit off. But to be honest, since then, he's been very good. Um, I thought against Galatasaray, he was excellent. A couple of great yeah, saves. He he, a phenomenal save in this game um, down low from a header. He's 29 years old. He should be kind of coming into what I guess the peak for a goalkeeper is. Um, if he keep, if he can, if that is him, genuinely got better as a goalkeeper. I don't see why it couldn't be because you could be working with a better goalkeeper, sorry, a better better coaches, just more confident in yourself, more assured in your your place in the team. All of these things could come together into just the fact that Xander Clark is now a better goalkeeper than he was a year ago or eighteen months ago, and in that case maybe you do start thinking he could be a third man in the Scotland squad or whatever it may be. But you obviously got a long time to see that. Kelly at the other end is one who I think will very soon be in Scotland squads because he's he's a lot younger. He's 25. He's already played a lot of games at the top flight and he's shown himself to be a quite a commanding goalkeeper. He's not a, he's not at the same level as the current Scotland goalkeepers, but I think we may have to accept that we're just not going to have goalkeepers that good um, for a while unless someone comes through. 
so it was it was two good goalkeeping performances in it. Granny, somebody's granny. <laughs> <laughs> we need, yeah. But we need we need to branch out a bit and maybe get a Spanish goalkeeper that's got a Scottish granny or something yeah, like that because uh, that would just just change it up. But yeah, I think I think we have to, in particular, Clark, give him credit because it's not just a case of you know you can say oh even bad goalkeepers make good saves or whatever, but he's been consistently good for a long time. He's he's um, He's had a very good 2021. Um, and if he keeps that up, then fair play to him and hopefully hopefully keeps it up on Thursday night. If you listen, Steve Clark, have a have a cast your net far and wide. There's got to be <laughs> some some boy out there who has knocked up a Benidorm loving expat. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that'll do us for the men's show. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check out the Patreon. We're gonna talk about Vasilis Barkas said. Uh, Warm up is, is one way of putting it. <laughs> Just kind of standing in the goal frame. Yeah, I, think the, I think the word "warm" is uh, is not not appropriate there. <laughs> Uh, and basically any other instances we can remember from our past of players just clearly not giving a shit. Uh, we've also put that out to people on Twitter who have responded with some from some very good shouts, so we'll be kind of going through those as well. So if you'd like to listen to that, that is patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. That podcast is going to be in the £2 a month tier. There are three tiers. There's also £5 a month. It gives you access to all the podcasts. And £7 a month means at the end of the season you get, uh, they get everything that I've said above and you also get a t-shirt and a fancy. So that's us for now. Craig, say goodbye. Bye. And I'm Craig Feller saying goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.